This is the Hashtag One Fear podcast, where the fear of the Lord and passion for Scripture guide us to truth. With so many options to decide what truth is, looking to God in Scripture can often be ignored, misapplied, or denied altogether. Hashtag One Fear exists to bring God in Scripture first in the pursuit of truth in a well-thought manner. Welcome to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. So what did you think of the 90s commercials? They were interesting. Yeah, I lo- I like looking at the old stuff like that because it's retro. <laughs> You're retro. <laughs> I am. <laughs> it was uh, good. Yeah, well, they're funny, and especially like you look at commercials nowadays, and it's like, uh, it's I feel like uh, they're too much. Like they're throwing too much at you. Uh, like we were. T- what episode was it that we were talking about car commercials? And it was like, wow, I could drive to work by whipping around corners and going really really fast and have this turbocharged car you know like yeah. it's too much yeah oh, here let me play the one sprite commercial uh this one this one's my favorite one here we go this here freight train Pete Pablo me I'm motif there's only one drink fat enough to quench our thirst and that's turbo sweet I am going to my trailer. <laughs> and then it follows up with. My concentration. Oh, ah, oh, sorry. So it says uh, image is nothing. The words come up. Image is nothing. And then thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. Drink Sprite. So it, it's just funny that like, oh, yeah. image. No, don't listen to image, even though we're throwing these images out there. You know, like, don't listen to this person or that person. I think they have a, a basketball star for the other, a couple other ones. But yeah. it's so funny that, like, that's that's how we, that's how we, like, get our attentions caught. You know, like, when you see something, it's like, oh, that, that has my attention. And now they're sending me this message. And now, do I want Sprite on my, because I want it? <laughs> You know, do I want to buy that car because I want it? Well, it's like the, you know, growing up, your parents tell you stuff about not getting in with the wrong crowd. <clears throat> um, or, you know, or they tell you, don't, you just like that because all of your friends like it. So it's yeah. the trend thing. And you re- you realize on your own, like, I actually have no idea why I have this thing. But you just kind of <laughs> got caught up in Thankfully for me, I honestly was never one of those people. I actually got made fun of for the things I liked growing up. So old movies. I liked Elvis. You're an old soul. I like, yeah. So, but that's kind of. She's like, actually older than me because of that. By a lot. <laughs> by a lot. That way. But it's one of those. No matter what, you follow an image. Yeah. It just depends on which did you, one. Did you ever have one of those like memory boxes when you were growing up, like? No, just I'm, me. <laughs> what, well, what are you talking about? Well, it, like when you were growing up, like this was my favorite baseball card or this was my oh. favorite rock. You, you mean know? like my junk drawer of all the, the junk crap drawer, I yeah. had for no reason? The junk reason. drawer that was in a, a old shoe box. You still have so, those I, in well, our room. Yeah, but they're of like pictures of like since 
There are pictures married and, and stuff, cards and, and letters that... Yeah, yeah, that people... Yeah, through college and stuff. But I'm talking about like when you're a kid and it's like you're growing up and you go back and it's like, why is this random piece of rubber yeah. <laughs> in the shoebox? But anyway, we're, so we're going to be talking about image today and what that entails for the Christian life. And so we're going to get into it and talk, uh, read some from Ecclesiastes because everything is meaningless. <laughs> and a uh, uh, little bit of what Paul writes to the Corinthians. All right, so here we go. All right, so what happened to trends? And we're, we're going to compare it with lasting impressions. Um, so like trends, you know, what, think back of, well, not for you in the 80s because you were a late 80 baby, <laughs> 80s baby. Uh, but thinking in the 90s, like what kind of things were around that were trending that you look back and you're like, why in the world was I wearing that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it may have been the 90s, but do you remember those? I think it was a basketball team, but it was like this bright, bright teal color. And I forget, I forget the mascot that was on it, but like everybody had that jacket and nobody knew why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like they were just sending them out there. No. Uh, biggest 90s trend that I was not part of, I wasn't old enough, would be the Rachel haircut. The, from Friends? From Friends. Rachel's haircut. Like, I Which mean, people one? went out in droves to their hairstylist saying, I need Rachel's <laughs> hair. And yeah. she actually hated that hairstyle from what I read or heard. That's funny. Right, how about the bowl haircut? Was that actually a trend or was that it, No, it was. <laughs> I don't know why it was. And I had one too. I even remember, I think I remember asking my parents, like, can I get this haircut? And then it was like, all right, this is kind of just weird. So then I asked my parents, I was like, can I grow my hair out longer? So that, that was the next trend. Like the bowl haircut. Yeah, it's cool. But then grow the top part really long. It was like a reverse mullet. <laughs> and uh, I think, well, for me anyway, I was a huge Counting Crows fan, and he had dreads. Adam Duritz had dreads, so I was like, "I want, I want long hair to do that." But then I learned, like, "Oh, that's gross!" <laughs> like actual real dreads. Like I don't think he had. He may have like had extensions or something, but but right there was image. Yeah. Image. It was. Image. It really was. Um, and I thought it was really fun to headbang with long hair. I still do. Yeah. You're just but like getting long I hair just again. don't. Well, back then it was almost down to my shoulders. You might have to wait for like, me to die. <laughs> and then you can do whatever you want with your hair. Hey, no prophecies allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> during the podcast, anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, no, it, it was like almost down to my shoulders, but now like my hair is to my almost to my ears, I guess, but it's long <clears throat> enough to headbang. Not with headphones on like these, but anyway, that was weird yeah. conversation. But they, I know. <laughs> well, it's it's gonna go into it. It's gonna get there. Okay. But it was like it transitioned. All right. It was like, yeah, that was the haircut style to get for, you know, showing what Rachel had. But then in the show, Rachel changed her hair like how many times? So does that mean everybody else has to change their hair too? You know, like it was just that one hairstyle. That one hairstyle. And then uh, for me, with the, the long hair, wanting to headbang. Yeah. yeah. But like we also said, a lot of these come back around. Um, 
like 70s clothing styles come back, 80s clothing has come back. Sophia is all about as many scrunchies as you possibly can fit on (laughs) one arm and one water bottle. That one's one I can get on board with because I think scrunchies are cute and whatever. There's other stuff, though, that nope, you are not wearing the multicolored (laughs) 80s wind jacket suit things. Yeah, with the... It had the look of like, oh, you had holes, so someone patched it up with some other random color. Yeah. So cool. Basically, Uh, Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Saved by the Bell. That was the 90s thing, right? Late. I think late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like right there, everything they wore. That was trending. Yeah, Yeah, that was the trend. And then it it goes away. Um, But like you, you look back and it made some sort of an impression. Mm-hmm. So much so that, like you said, it's coming back around. Either you hate it or you love or, it. Yeah, really. And, and it, I think it's one of those things where it has to work for you. And if not, don't. Yeah. And, and I think that's the mindset that people have when it comes to this retro stuff that, yeah, that I like it. It's not bad. It's not horrible. But it's not me. But it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what about the thing with trends? Like we get the trends and they come and go, but what about different lasting impressions? Because it's not always about style and how you look and how you present yourself and stuff, but it's also about how you treat other people. You know, when it comes to a lasting impression, it's not going to be like, I, well, I mean, maybe some people will remember what you wore that day that you first saw her. Um, But uh, I actually don't remember what you wore. Sorry. Because we, I don't know if we ever told this story, but we held hands during a game in college, that noodle game, and did not even know that, like, who each other were. Yeah. And then later on, it was like, oh. Our, our actual first meeting, you left an impression, which is shocking that I went on to pursue you. <laughs> it was after soccer practice or I something? I was sitting at the table with Peter White. In the, in the cafe, yeah. And you sat down all sweaty and gross <laughs> after a soccer game and went, who's this? <laughs> that was my way of flirtation. No, it was not, because <laughs> you didn't really like wasn't. me then. I didn't like anyone then. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is an interesting fellow. <laughs> but lasting impression. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's a little shocking. Yeah. I, I go for that shock value <clears throat> at times. Yeah. No, that was your I'm bitter at the female race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess my, my grades were not the best either. Or no, it was because whatever was going on with soccer, I think I was not happy with. It could have been. I don't it, know. it was a mix I of a whole kinda, bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah. I think my eyes went a little wide and okay. Yeah. I love you though. You you caught my heart and you're mine and I'm yours. <laughs> Are we gonna start singing some Jesus songs? We can, but we could save that for like a different we could save that for the, the episode on liturgy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so back to the topic of uh, lasting impressions, lasting impressions. impressions. Um, And and really, it's sometimes I feel as though we try too hard to impress someone, Uh, like especially with comparison games. And I I think it was Erwin McManus. He gave this illustration of like 
when you get out of high school, it's like you have a fresh restart going into college or whatever you're going to do. And it's like, I'm going to be the best of the best that I can be. And then you go to college and you're with a whole bunch of people. And it's like you accomplish that. You, you do become really great. But then you go to college with a whole people, a whole bunch of people that are doing the same thing who are also really great. So then it's like you're all on the same level. <laughs> you know, you're not the best of the best. You're all really good. So you're all kind of at that normal level. And it, it comes to this point where you try to make such an impression that you end up doing these comparison games and end up hating yourself or disliking someone else because of, oh, they did this or did they did that. You know, oh, did you see what she wore today? Or didn't wear. Or didn't wear. It. <laughs> Oops, um, did I say that? You did. And I echoed it. Um, so we asked the question, stuff like, you know, what do people think of me? Because I want them to think a certain way. So I have to adorn myself a certain way. I have to have certain mannerisms. I have to say certain words. You know, what, whatever it is, especially like when you go into different fields, for example, uh, if, if for Danielle and I, we took a whole bunch of youth ministry classes and it was like, yeah, you could tell that we're a whole bunch of youth men majors. And then uh, we also, it was required to take some psychology classes. So we go into these psychology classes and it is a whole different room of people. It it really, it's like, they, it's like, it's not tolerable to be upbeat <laughs> at times in those classes. And honestly, like the one that I had on grief, death and dying, that was not a class to be upbeat in. <laughs> that was one to be very serious in. Um, so, th th but that's the kind of thing, the mentality that people have and the kind of impressions that they try to give all because of what kind of character they put off. Uh, or try to emulate or whatever it is. Uh, one of the, they say that one of the most sincerest form of flattery is mimicry. Can you actually find where that's written? I don't Could know. Could you say that? And I don't. Well, I, we did, I did this with Ray Lynn. Yes, you did. I did. And she, I don't know if she tried it or not. Or no, I, I like I did it with her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she was kind of like, oh, I think I get it now. Because it was the difference between mocking and mimicry. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I'll definitely mock her. <laughs> Love you, Raylan, if you're listening to this one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, mimicking them and kind of like different kind of gestures will really catch that person's attention because that's what they do. And, oh, if that person does the same thing as me, that's going to, that's going to be an impression on me that's similar. So that's why I'm attracted to that. Uh, so what, you know, the question, what do people think of me? And they try to go out of their way to do that mimicry. And they try to do and be something that they never really originally were, just so they are accepted. And then that brings us into the question of what does God think of me? And I have to wonder, do we do the same thing? Like, do we try to impress God so he is accepted? Uh, he accepts us. Or, you know, it's like, well, we know what this, what scripture says. That's, a, that's heresy. You know, like, why would we try to do that? It's pointless. 
Um, but what about when we pray? Like, for example, like I want this, like I'm praying so fervently for something. So perhaps if I act and behave a certain way, maybe God will listen to me more. And that like borderlines on like, oh, I don't think that's what this relationship is about, especially when it comes to prayer. I think if God's going to answer a prayer, it's on his, (laughs) it's because he wants to, you know, like it's, you know, that's, that's his, uh, what's the word? Prerogative? No, not prerogative. Like that, that's his, wow, why am I having a, a little bit of a brain fart? (laughs) yes it's his choice to make yeah so we'll continue yeah it's his choice um and then it goes then it goes into like what do i think of me and then when we start seeing how tough it is to play that role of trying to be accepted by other people try to behave in a way that's not us just so we can be accepted by God and have his prayers and our prayers answered by him and all of that, uh, then it doesn't always happen the way that we want it to. Then we have these thoughts, what do I think of me? I'm really not liking me anymore. So this image that we have ends up being something that we're not and we don't like it. So the question is, why do we do this? <laughs> like, well, the, it, it's just odd. There's two sides to that. There's probably about coin. Like seven or eight. Because <laughs> well, no, like, there's that side of it that's um, like we're trying to be something that we're not meant to be. But then as we've seen a lot in culture of people going, well, I am just going to be me and God is going, God loves me the way that I am. But that means that what, when they're saying that it's actually them embracing a sinful lifestyle or things that they should not be doing, but under the guise of this is me and it's what I want to do. And when really what it needs to be is that our image needs to, our image is in Christ. Christ is in us. Mm-hmm. And he can't contradict himself. So we can't be living with Christ in us and living however I want to do me. Yeah. So it's got to be like a little bit of of both. I, I, don't, I don't know. There's got to be like a reconciling between the two of what like you were saying and what that mindset is. Because you could go with like the... Like what what you said of you're becoming something that you're really not wanting to be or maybe not what you should be. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know why I always use batteries as an example for things, but like you require a certain uh, battery. And if you try to replace it to get a different result, it's not going to work. You know, if like, if we are supposed to be you know, if this is how our character is because the way that we were raised, you know, the influences that we've had, and we're not satisfied with that, that doesn't mean replace it with just another one of those things. 
And I think that's where the, the whole identity and image trying to be everything in our lives or nothing in our lives is that we tend to forget that we need to go to God for forming us into the image of his son. And I think this is where image is so hurtful for not just to other people, but to ourselves, because we would rather, it's so easy to see images and try to mimic them. It takes a little bit more effort to be discipled and disciplined to be the image and likeness of Christ and reflect him. Um, Especially when it's like, you know, I want to feel good about myself, like what you were saying um, about like, right? Is that? It's it's the whole God loves me how I am and he wants me to be happy and embrace whatever it is that I want to embrace. Yeah. Which is not biblical. (laughs) And, And really, if if God thinks it's okay for you to do something uh, see if that's okay with, with uh, like, back it up with scripture, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, on the, on the other, like, going in line with that, like, when we start using pride as a tool or a weapon, because, you know, image is everything. I have to upkeep that. So, yeah. you know, what kind of a personality trait do you end up developing? Yeah. It's really prideful. And then that ends up being... It, and I, and I love it. Like you, you just look at a whole big classroom or a group of, of little kids and it's like, I have to be in control because I'm the best one at doing such and such a thing. Yeah. And it just ends up creating arguments and fights and it's another adults it's, too, by well, the way. <laughs> it's another pendulum swing. Like what you're saying is a lot of the people who have been um, I guess what I would see is maybe like those in our generation have looked at those who went before us and you hear a lot of them talking about, you know, as a Christian growing up in a Christian home, we weren't allowed to mess up. If we fought, if we did stuff, we weren't allowed to show other people. Like yeah. if we told somebody that our dad yelled at us, it was the end of the world because we were Christians and we were supposed to be upright, never messing up, you know, so you have that. But then because of that, you have a generation that swung the whole other way that was like, look at me, I'm a messy Christian and it's okay that I mess up versus here's the reality. We mess up, we're Christians, but there's repentance, there's forgiveness, there's moving forward in Christ, but people are just at, seem like they're at one end or the other. Yeah, there really is no, uh, there isn't many that are in the middle. Yeah. Um, especially... As a Christian, when it's like, oh, that's revealed, what happens to them? Yeah. They're kind of given the oust. You know, like, they're, they're, they've been given a label. You know, they have that image now where, oh, they're that family that doesn't have it together. They're not doing the Bible thing because, you know, X, Y, or Z. And it's, it's terrible to think... And, and it's too common, too, because we've seen it so many times. It's happened to ourselves as well, where someone looks at you because you were in that moment where, you know what, I'm just losing control or, you know, I don't it, like things are just not working the way I expected, you know, whatever it is. And you're looked at as if you're not as righteous as you had once looked. Yeah. But I have to I have to wonder 
you know, after saying that, I kind of wonder, does righteousness look like what we think it should be? Because if you have an idea of what righteousness looks like and you don't see it in someone, then you can easily say, oh, they must not be righteous. Or the other way around, whereas there's only a select few that seem to come off as righteous. Well, and once again, that is an image. It's an image, yeah. And it becomes, which I mentioned to you before we started, was that sometimes somebody has an image of you just based on really nothing other than maybe they just don't like you or you had a bad encounter with them and they've judged everything about you off of that one encounter versus decisions and things that you are actually living out that people are seeing yeah being like and you could say well that's not me that's not that's not my heart that's like and and i've heard that from people of going well god knows my heart but the thing is your actions flow out of your heart and your action is completely opposite than what you're saying your heart is therefore Though people yeah. cannot see your heart. We say God judges the heart. But also, if you're a Christian, others should be able to look at you and your image of what you are putting off and be able to see, oh, they're giving off Christ-like attributes. Yeah, exactly. Not a popular and, and, opinion, but yeah. Hey. <laughs> and like I said earlier, like when you go into different classrooms, depending on the study, the, the group is different. The classmates yeah. are different. And the feel same thing, your environment. Feel your environment. Um, so really, if, you know, if we're hanging out with a certain people, we're going to start reflecting each other and it's going to blend. Yeah. We need to start hanging out with Christ a little more. Get into his, and, and this is why we do this podcast. Get into the word. We want to encourage you yeah. listeners out there to get into the word as much as you can to know Christ yeah. and to reflect him. Yeah. And uh, there's. So there's a meme that I've seen recently, and I really liked it because there's a lot of, you know, I send my kids to school or I send my kids to this because I want them to be missionaries. Great if that is actually what they're doing. Like, it's one of those be in the world but not of it. Yes, we are supposed to be in the world, but there's too much being of the world happening because we're not spending time with Christ or because we're not yet built on a foundation that we can be in the world. Yeah. And not of it. And I feel like that's way too early. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, and it's going to be different for everybody. I yeah. know I know a whole bunch of youth that are like, at 12 years old, they're like, I know what I want to do. And here I am, like, I'm almost 40. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I want to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's, once again, disclaimer, it's not like a bashing of you sending your kids to school. It's more no. that kind of... You know, whatever. And it's one of those, you need to know yourself. You need to know, in that case, you need to know your kids and know whether or not, are they prepared to be yeah. in the world? Yeah, are they the going world? to like, be equipped for yeah. those things? And, because, if, they're, and if they're going and, you know, and maybe, maybe they aren't, maybe they are, like in certain areas, you need to be willing to be an active person in their life to follow up with them. Yeah. It can't just be, you go, and we hope for the best. Yeah. I think we've made a mistake of letting uh, churches and schools, whether they're Christian or not, to inform and shape more than what the home should do. 
where the the home yeah. they, it needs especially with church like oh well let's just have the the programs take care of this and take care of that when really the number one influence should be coming straight from home yeah but but talking about the foundation of relationships too uh it, it, it's like these images it's kind of blending and and churning into a question of what can I get out of the relationship based off of what I know of this image. And really it's like the benefits of a relationship should not be the foundation of any relationship, whether it's like with parents, yeah. with friends, with a, with your mate well, it's or like with God. Friends with benefits. You're not yeah. actually, that's not a relationship. <laughs> yeah. It, that's another podcast. Yeah, but episode. I'm just saying, like, right there, you say benefits, but there's some people that base certain things on that, and it never, that's not a relationship, that's not something. Yeah, like going back to the prayer thing. If I do a certain thing, I should have benefits, and my prayer should yeah. be answered. That's not how God works. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing with people. Like if, oh, well, they did this or did that, then I am required, therefore, to respond in a certain way. Um, like I, this is so funny in like the Christian culture, if you want to call it that, where it's like, yeah, take them out for coffee. And it's like, you have every intention of, of paying for them, but wait a minute, I have to pay for it. Not you, because I have to come off as more righteous. (laughs) How about it's righteous saying, thank you. <laughs> and thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy for buying this cup of coffee that really didn't cost much anyway to begin with. You know, it's like I don't know why we do that. Like just accept it. Yeah. Just, you know, side note. <laughs> well, basically, we should be um we should be doing things out of love, not out of what we get. Um like, yes, God has given us all of these promises and all of these amazing things, but technically we should be content living for him because of who he is. Yeah. First. So like the same in marriage where we've talked a lot about um, it's serving. I mean, how many times have we like, I'm going to call them squabbles because of Bluey. But like, <laughs> yeah. we're big Bluey fans. <laughs> yeah, because it's they're not even they're not arguments, but they're just squabbles where it's like, well, I haven't gotten my way in a long time. Or, I haven't gotten my way in a long time. But like, if you look back at why, it's there, there's service behind it. There's a lot yeah. of sacrifice of. Well, this is what I really want, but I'm sacrificing this, for either you know the other person or a situation, whatever it is, and that's really how you. It's how you make a relationship of any kind work. Like you do need to have boundaries sometimes for yourself, but altogether it is realizing what you can give up for another person. Yeah. Because there's some stuff you should not give up for another. Like yeah. don't lay your Christianity to the side <laughs> for somebody else. Um, but just those kind of things of instead of what do I want, what do I get out of this, what, you know, service is what Jesus did. Yeah. And now our permission to think moment. This week, based off of Philippians 4.8, we are going to think about things that are praiseworthy. Now the word praiseworthy is defined as honor being paid, commending or commissioning, or even approval. In Greek, the word implies an applause or a commendation, 
or an act to show approval. In other words, what one might talk about is that which they give approval to, and even credence in. In Hebrew, the word translated as praiseworthy carries a nuance of proclamation, that of who a person is or what they have done is worthy of telling as many people as possible. It's sort of like bragging on someone else. As we think of others, what qualities do others exemplify that you recognize as needing applauded? I think of those who are dedicated, dedicated to their marriage and children, or even those dedicated to giving 100% to whatever it is that they do for a living, no matter what others may think the value of that job is. And there are many other aspects that are worth noting and applauding, such as honesty, obedience, or things such as meekness or leadership done by example. You might be thinking, isn't that an act of worshiping a person rather than God? Well, first of all, I am not saying worship people as if they are gods or in place of God. Second, we need to recognize what God does in and through others. Those qualities are things to think of. Things, for example, that are praiseworthy and in turn are the things that we can then reflect and live out. Another example I think of is a child who has been given praise for doing the right thing. The after effects are eternal. So applaud them. Now thinking of things of God that are praiseworthy, what has Christ done that is worthy of praise? I encourage you to think beyond the cross and his resurrection. It is obvious that Christ defeating death is worthy of praise. That's pretty big. But beyond that, what has God done in your life that is specific to you that you should respond with praising God? What is it that you can say out loud right now that God is awesome for doing? Or what attributes are amazing that you can say right now in praising God? So this week, at any moment that you have, stop and say what needs said in response to thinking of what is praiseworthy. So this week, think of things that are praiseworthy. All right, so we're going to look at a couple verses now after that whole spiel that we gave in the first half. Uh, so Ecclesiastes, if you guys ever want to study a mind-boggling, difficult, and encouraging at the same time book of the Bible, study Ecclesiastes. And uh, I, there's a book that I, I, when I did a big in-depth study on Ecclesiastes, I read this book by, oh, I forget, I, I forget how to say his name. Eswine? 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 What's that? Sure. <laughs> Hang on, let me grab it real quick. <clears throat> All right, anyway, it's the book is called Recovering Even, e Eden. Recovering Eden uh, by Zach Eswine. Or Eswine, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, sir. Anyway, uh, that was one of the best books that I've ever read. Like, it's on my... It's probably if not my top five, my top three books that I've ever read. Uh, it's uh, the Gospel According To series on Ecclesiastes. So anyway, uh, read that one. So the verses that I wanted to bring up, up on this here topic that we're on is from Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And I'm going to skip around from the beginning to the end of the the chapter, and I'll, I'll let you know what verses you, if you're going to be following along out there. Uh, but chapter two, chapter 2, verse 1, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. 
but that also proved to be meaningless. And the author, he, he says to himself, like, come on, I'm, I, I'm making the conscious to- choice to test what is going to be pleasurable and good, to find out what is good. And his, he tells you already from the get-go what he found out. And all of what he did was proved to be meaningless. All right, so then he even gets to verse 12. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. So even in wisdom, like we, th- we can automatically think like, oh, wisdom's really good. That's the kind of image that I would like to have. And he even illustrates it uh, with saying like, wisdom is better than folly, just like light is better than darkness. You know, and those who are wise have eyes in their heads and while the fools walk in that darkness. And then he says, but the same fate overtakes them both. So he's concluding again, is this something that's also meaningless? Uh, and then further down in verse 17, so I hated life. Like, whoa, <laughs> calm down there. Um, this is the struggle of the author. Like he's, he's analyzing so much stuff that he's finding things to be so meaningless because all things have the same fate. They all, you know, we all end up passing away. We all die. And everything that we've accomplished either goes to nothing or it goes to the next person in line. And so he realizes, so I hated, I hated life because the work that is due under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. Think about that. Every single thing that we put effort into, here here's this author's fear. It's going to go to the next person. What are they going to do with it? Like we can, we can establish this legacy and then move on and give it to the next person and they can just destroy it. They could improve it, whatever it might be. But if they destroy it, that is the fear that this author has. And he's, he's just, he can only conclude that these things are just meaningless. You know, what, like why toil so hard just so in the end, is the danger of it going to be run by a fool? Now, verse 24, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, it's not meaningless. He's, he writes, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? To the person who, pray, who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth 
to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So he, he finally concludes in chapter 2 that there's nothing better than you can do than just enjoy life. But he's not saying just any life. Life in the realization that it's from God and all things that we can enjoy are from God. So going back to the, the topic of image being everything or nothing, you know, <laughs> however you, you may look at I think uh, the author to Ecclesiastes would be like, image is nothing. <laughs> it's, it's meaningless. Uh, I, going back to that topic, we need to understand that whatever we are emulating, uh, that we, you know, our aura, or whatever it might be, whatever we do, whatever we're a part of is going to be meaningless if we don't understand that the origin must be of God. Like if we are going to say, if this is my life and I'm enjoying it and we find ourselves lacking, take a step back and really analyze, did I really think that this was from God? Or did I even consider it? Now, we cannot have enjoyment. We can't have, uh, we can't enjoy our own food that the, the author of Ecclesiastes says. We can't even enjoy our own food if we don't understand it's coming from God. Uh, for, for myself, my lunch every day is the same thing. And like every day I'm like, ugh. But I do it anyway because I sit down and I'm like, you know what? God provided this for me. And that makes it a lot better, <laughs> even though it's the same lunch every day. You have any thoughts, love? Um. <laughs> sure. Yeah? Okay. The, hold on. The image is meaningless in the form of all of our earthly pursuits. So, like, when yeah. you said, like, he would say image is, is nothing, and then you said, I mean, our image is in Christ. That is the only image that matters versus you're seeking after that title or, you know, whatever. In high school, how many people are seeking after the stupidest things that went away as soon as you were out of high school? Um, <laughs> that re I'm sorry. That reminded me of, uh, what was that? Oh, no, Napoleon Dynamite. Never watched the whole thing. I fell asleep Either. every time. <laughs> when what was it? Was it his uncle or something that was like? I literally have no idea. I, whatever character it was, he was like stuck in the past. Like I was, I uh, lettered and everything, and he's out back just like throwing the football to himself or something. Like yeah. he like, accomplished it. Yep. But like, where was he afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's like sorry. That yeah, just reminds me. So those me are like that. the images when when we say like image doesn't matter. Those are the images we're talking about. Um, because if we are in Christ, our old self has died and our image is him. We should be reflecting it. Um, that could actually go right into the verse and everything that I have. Yeah. yeah. Um, you want to read it? I'll read the verse and then I'll kind of explain more. It's First Corinthians 10, 31 through... Uh, 11 1 so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do 
do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Um, that came to mind because I don't, <laughs> I don't like when I hear Christians say, especially to people, uh, like a lot of people who say like, I don't go to church anymore because I was hurt by the church or I was hurt by people. Um, and it becomes, well, God's people, you know, they're not perfect and they're going to let you down and they're going to hurt you. So don't follow them. God, God doesn't let you down that type of, of thing. And it's, yes, we are not perfect. Um, yes, we will mess up. But that's a major cop-out for living how we should. And it should be, as Christians, people should be able to look to how we are living our life to be emulating Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and if we aren't in certain ways or if we've hurt somebody or done something wrong, that is where we also live out proper repentance and forgiveness and all of those other things that Christ talks about that we don't like to practice because we like to say, but God's grace covers me. Great, it does. But that's also not a free pass to be a jerk. Um, and so when I look at like what Paul says, um, I always kind of bring it back around to my uncle in some way. <laughs> but he has always lived that out, always. And he will preach it and say, like, all of these things that he doesn't do, um, they're not for a legalistic reason he's not looking at you and going you're a horrible sinful christian if you do now certain things yes but uh, you know other things that he has chosen it's because he can do without them and if it can help keep anyone from stumbling he would rather forego doing these things that are just a pleasure thing than harm somebody and yeah. we really got into that talk when i was out visiting with them like between my aunt and then you know just just talking to him is that they've seen the damage that certain things can do to people and to families. And they've said, we don't want to have any part in that kind of thing that could cause somebody who sees us doing that to, to walk away because, Oh, well they're Christians and they're doing this thing. And that person has been super damaged by that. Um, and so, I mean, he, so when I think of like image or somebody that you might, might follow so how paul is saying you know follow me as i follow christ he's kind of that person for me like there's a lot of times that i think of like the, and as an adult things that like annoyed me as a kid or i didn't totally get i look at and i go i admire that more than anybody who says i don't have to do that because i'm free in christ great use your freedom for the good of others as paul says yeah and so I think of, of him and the image yeah. that he tries his best. And he, he will say, like, I mess up. I mean, he'll get angry. He'll, you know, all these different things. But he never steps back and says, but that's okay. You know, it's okay. I did this. I'm human. But I, I do need to ask for forgiveness. I do need to recognize that what I did was wrong um, and live a life that will lead others to Christ as best as possible. So that's the kind of image that I personally want to put off. I think growing up, I didn't want to put off any image. I tried to fly under the radar and <laughs> um, like 
when we were talking about high school or all, you know, all these different images that you try to put off, I hated attention. Like I wouldn't even walk through the cafeteria without somebody with me because I didn't want people to just see me. Um, but I, that was also kind of put into me that anywhere I went, it wasn't me people were looking at. They were checking out the other person that was with me. It was very plainly worded to me that that was how it was. And I think that that's just – that stuck with me then because I didn't want the negative attention. I didn't want to be made fun of. I didn't want any of that kind of stuff. So I kind of wanted to be almost imageless and forgettable. <laughs> um, but now, like, as an adult, I'm going, if, if there's any image somebody gets from me, I'm hoping it's that they they know that I love Christ and that – that is my goal, is to bring people to him. Amen. And so uh, our hope is that that is the same for you listeners out there. Yeah. I do like uh, how Paul writes that he, he does not want anyone to stumble, whether they're Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Uh, and you already kind of hit on the uh, church hurt aspect, but what about people that are not Christians that they turn and see, oh, you're against something rather than like we see too much. They see too much of what you're against rather than what you are for. You know, and that, and I think that's one of those images that we need to show a lot more. And I think, and probably maybe you're thinking the same thing, hon, of the image of the woman caught in adultery. What was God against there versus what he was for? Uh, like, if you think of what he was against, you're gonna, <laughs> you're not going to find much there, if anything at all, uh, you, unless you're creative and taking the word out of context. <laughs> but uh, what was he for? He was for that woman changing her life. Yeah. And he, he was, or you could just say it, he was for that woman. And in that way, what it meant was a calling to a new life. Yes. Um, that's a better way of wording it. Because God is for us, but we automatically sometimes think if God is for us, that means that whatever it is that I'm doing or I want, yeah. he's okay with. Where he was for her because he knew her freedom in Christ was on the other side of what she was doing. Yeah. I mean, he didn't, he didn't f forgive her and send her back to her ways. He brought her out of her ways. And so that, yeah, I, th I think, I think as Christians, our problem though is too, is half the time we don't know what we actually are for or why we're against what we're against. And I think if you truly know those things, you can live in a good ground that, isn't all the negative yeah it, but it's also not the positive where you ignore the negative yeah like there shouldn't be ignoring on either side of it yeah and, and i get this sense in the church where and, and and this is unfortunate and it may not be as uh prevalent as i might think <laughs> but uh like just use the analogy like someone that works with metal versus someone that works with wood well if you're not for wood, that means you're against wood because you work with metal. You know, that kind of thing, that kind of mentality in the church. Well, if, uh, you know, you don't understand something a certain way, 
that has to do with uh, how to worship or uh, your knowledge of of scripture and et cetera, et cetera. It's it's really become this matter of you're a lesser being. And I really think that, or that you're, you're against me. Yeah. And it's like, that's the kind of image that Christianity keeps putting off to those who are not in relationship with Christ because they see so much of also just the bickering, (laughs) you know, um, as well as, uh, you know, well, we're untouchable because we are Christians. So it's like, we have this mentality, like, this is the image that we're putting off that because I'm a Christian, then therefore I have a certain authority that is above yours. And really it's like, no, that's not the type of authority that Christ has yeah. given us. He has given us an authority to do things like heal the sick, drive out demons, you know, like how come you don't well, see much of that going on? <laughs> that and the things that we live by are to be, in the Christian community. Yeah. Like uh, there's there's often like yes there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the world that I wish would end. But as a world that is not looking to Christ, I can't really expect it to. Yeah. But it there's a lot of Christians that get mad and want all of these things done on a on a higher level where it's like baby steps. That's yeah. it's it's a great thing to want it, but that is not what we're called to. I mean, if you even think in, in Rome and all of those places where there were Christians, I don't know necessarily that they were out to stop all of the non-Christians from worshiping their <laughs> gods. Like yeah. we, you know, even, even in the old Testament, they were called to worship only God and not to adopt other places, gods and stuff. But there was never like this. Now go out to all of them and, and force that they stop doing what they do and do what you do. Yeah, like, it was actually the other way around. Like, don't allow them to influence yes, you. Yeah, I mean, if like, you instead brought them... of yeah, instead of God saying go influence them, yeah, because it really wasn't going to happen that way. I mean, they if you brought them around to Christ, yes, but to go out and expect people who don't hold the same morals as you, yeah, and are living under the same ethics as you, that... you can't you can't put that as an across the board thing. Yeah, that reminds me of. I can't remember where in the Old Testament, in the Torah, where people were upset with Moses because he married someone that was not from their lineage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, she was a foreigner and that got a lot of people mad. And then it was like, hey, let's look at the situation here. Like, it, it, and it didn't, it, it wasn't like, I'm Moses, so you have to listen to me. It was, this is what God is doing. Yeah. Well, and I think that if we are intent on living our life and putting off an image of Christ, not your definition of Christ, not their definition of Christ, but looking in the Bible, who the body and person of Christ is, putting off that image, that is what will draw people versus you going out and throwing things in their face of what they're doing wrong. Yeah. Um, that's what will bring them in, not the yeah. other and we'll we'll end it with this that you know if you look through the old testament they created little g gods and they had this image that they would face in worship whereas 
Yahweh never had an image. You know, the closest thing was the pillar of light and the pillar of, of cloud, but that's like, that's a whole thing of theophany that we can maybe save that for another podcast episode, what theophany is. Uh, but then here comes Jesus, the very, I mean, God in the flesh, you know, there's that image, but then he, he dies, he raises again and he ascends to heaven. And then what happens is that he sends the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the image of God? How do people perceive God? They could not see a physical form of him. They can only see, see the effects of what God was doing, like the cloud and the fire. And here, we are the church. We should be... We are the body of Christ. We are. Yeah. Like, here it is. If they need to see it, and if you need to see the effects of God and what he is doing, we people should be able to look at the church and say, yeah, that's it. Um, There's a... In Zechariah 8.23, it reads, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. And that is something I think that the church needs to not only realize, but be that image of that people will say, Hey, we've heard that, you know, God, that we've seen that you've been the perfect reflection of who Christ is. Let us come with you. Yep. Yeah. All right. So with that, thank you. Uh, do, are we going to do takeaways? I feel like we've kind of Yeah, we covered all. Yeah. yeah. We, I think, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know your takeaways. Uh, email us, contact at onefear.net, and uh, visit our website. Follow us and, and uh, rate, rate and review. Uh, because the more rate and reviews, the the more this podcast will spread. Uh, Join us on social media as well. And thank you so very much for listening. And per the usual, live such such good good lives. lives.